You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. back it is officially leo season <laughs> which is our season yes not that i'm buying into this nor do i want to get into it but fine but you are a leo like my good pals madonna barack obama who has the same birthday i have jennifer and Meghan markle <laughs> jennifer yes. lopez sean mendez sean mendez really nothing about him strikes me as a leo Lewis so i think this might be a bullshit say what are you not an astro- astrology person no i'm more into um being a good person? I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, we are joined here by Fran Torado. That's his voice. Hello, so sorry. I introduced myself before I even... I just, the astrology got me so excited. <laughs> Co-host of Food for Thought podcast. That's right, T-H-O-T, very important distinction. Mm-hmm. And you're wearing all black in a sort of twinky Michael Kors way. Oh my gosh, that is the worst thing anyone's ever said about him. No, I meant it in a cool way. <laughs> Mike, can Michael Kors ever be a cool reference i'm not so sure he did 10 seasons of developing my sassy sensibility so i say yes <laughs> yeah okay that's fair that's fair you're also the host of the outcast a new podcast from out magazine out on thursdays and ira was on episode one actually you should go listen to it Ooh, so it'll be canceled immediately <laughs> honestly some things were said that might have gotten us canceled we'll see canceled from the jump never been on a successful podcast <laughs> <laughs> and i am a Taurus, just for the record just so mm, that's my moon mm-hmm. oh Oh, yeah, we I talked love about that. this love as that we get you. a bit. Yeah. But I think Sean Mendez displays Leo behavior sometimes. He has Leo's shoulders. That's really it, though. I mean, this it's a he's being very aggressive about this Camila Cabello relationship. Oh yeah, publicly, so it's very Leo behavior. I'm getting real. I mean, not to not to jump on this stupid narrative, but I'm really getting Gyllenhaal T Swift publicity photo vibes from this relationship. Yeah, or Hiddleston T Swift. Oh right. I I forgot all about that one. Mm, wow. How are we all doing? Doing okay. I'm in Los Angeles, so I'm extremely happy. My mental health is through the roof. Um, mine was feeling great until the Cats trailer <laughs> dropped. And I, I feel like I'm still in disarray. I have to tell you, I mean, like, we, oh, the internet made a big deal of it being a weird trailer. I honestly have never seen anything like that trailer in my life. Ever. It was not, it wasn't just disturbing. It wasn't just... Uh, odd. It was so nonsensical. The cats kept changing sizes. It was like, it was, it was, I mean, you talk, you talk about like trippiness. It's like truly the scale of everything kept changing. I honestly wanted to not a lie, throw up at certain parts when the cat has the, the two, not the fork and the knife or whatever. That's me vomiting. (laughs) Yeah. So this trailer dropped last week, like right before the weekend. And First of all, it was really, really trending on social media. Yeah. Which I'm sure the producers are happy about, I mean, any press, right? And by the way, <laughs> by the way, I do want to say it's so disturbing, I will see it. Of course. Absolutely. I'm going to see it. It's this um, year's Mother. That's what I think. Um, I enjoyed Mother, though. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this, because here's the thing. Kat is notoriously 
bad. Right. I mean, there's it's nothing not good, in it. It's just random. The music isn't good. Uh, the story is nonsensical. We'll get this, to that in a minute. It's mostly uh, adjectives. Yes. And uh, <laughs> listen, I'm an Andrew Lloyd Webber apologist. You know, I love Phantom of the Opera still. I like Jesus Christ Superstar. I like uh, one song in both of those things. Okay. Sunset Boulevard has some okay songs. One song, keep going. There's one good Evita, song. one song. I like Evita. I, my least favorite thing about Madonna's career. Mm. Your it's, least favorite thing? Oh, you know what? That that was. <laughs> you you do know I should know better. Yes. Um, but the it's so it's based on this T. S. Eliot poem. Fran, do you know the plot of Cats? I does it even have a plot? Is the question? Yeah. So all of these cats are called the Jellicles. Oh, great! Uh, and annually, there's this Jellicle ball. Mm, love and that for them. One of them will um, ascend to the heavy side layer and come back to a new Jellicle life. Basically, these cats are sort of in like a cat purgatory. They want to die, be reborn, and come back. So Judy Dench is going to like explain mortality in musical form while wearing a cat. a cat fur outfit. She was yeah. like a cannibal fashion person in this movie. Anyway, yeah. I think they talk about the reborn stuff too in the trailer briefly in some of the dialogue. And I'm like, that is just a random thing to throw into a fucking trailer when a lot of people don't know what it means. Uh, but what was weird too, was everyone was being mad online about, Oh, you're dragging cats. Like, have any of you ever seen it? Like it's always been bad or this or that. I'm like, yes, people have seen it. It was on PBS in 1998. Mm -hmm. um, it was on BBC. Uh, it was on Broadway for 18, 18 years. years. Yeah. <laughs> it was, which is it was shocking. On, it was on the West End for like 2021 20, right. years. So people have seen Cats. We all heard like Leona Lewis sing "Memory" in that one clip that got out. Yes. Yeah. Um, and now we have Jennifer Hudson singing "Memory." Looking like a drowned, harassed rat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, specifically her. I thought I was being super brilliant. It reminded me of Whoopi Goldberg and the Page Master. Oh, <laughs> that kind of level of CGI. My. But the whole internet figured that out. So anyway, never mind. It wasn't oh, that was inventive. Oh, she, she played the cat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot. I think about that CGI that. was slightly better. <laughs> There's just like it's that weird CGI where like it's just her face emerging. It doesn't look like it's connected to the body it's on. You know, yeah. it looks like the face is green screened onto the body. You yeah, know? I, I really have no concept of what the CGI is doing here. Yeah. And it's, mm. and it's, it's a mess. And the cast includes Idris Elba. Right. Taylor Swift. Jason Derulo. Rebel Wilson. <laughs> Ian McKellen. James Corden. Who are who, who got all these people in there? Do you know what is really uh, among the weirder things in it? First of all, the amount of sexy breasts on these cats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jarring. <laughs> Secondly, the like round human bodies in it, like the way they mm. made James Corden like hippie, like a human being, really disturbing. Mm. Well, he plays Bustopher Jones, and Bustopher Jones is supposed to be sort of like a fat cat. No, Okay, yes, fat cats are shaped a certain way, though. I have mm. seen Heathcliff. I have seen Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> those, those are accurate documentary depictions of, of fat course, cats. Of course, exactly, yes. <laughs> this cat is just... The villainous cat from Rescuers. Yeah. Oh, I, I love the Rescuers. Rescue Rangers. Sorry, not Rescuers. Oh, never I, mind. We I could... love the Rescuers, though. Different yeah. Disney Rescuers who are also 
animals. True. Bob Newhart and Eva, uh, Eva Gabor. Yeah. The combination of human shape and cat shape never seems to reconcile in this trailer. And uh, again, brings me to the vomit place. One of my favorite things about the whole response to all of this was that along uh, trending along with like the cats trailer was furries and the furry fandom and the furry community. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which I think is amazing and hilarious because like everyone's like, oh, like people dressed up in cat suits, the furry community must have something to say about this. And so we had our kink and fetish reporter at out.com go reach out to them and like talk to some people in the furry community about cats. And like there were people in the furry fandom who were like, yeah, the cats musical made me a furry. Like that's part of their origin story, which I think is hilarious and amazing and wonderful. But like unanimously, like every member that they talked to, they were like, but this trailer, yeah, we don't claim this. This is like not <laughs> not our thing. Right. There's something I think even sexier about the Broadway show somewhat, because, you know, it's like hot, you know, it's Broadway people. dancers and singers. Yes. And they're wearing just like mask and like some leotards with like a bit of fur like they're wearing costumes and it's more about the cat like Mm -hmm. movements Mm -hmm. like you know but but still within a human body yeah this was just it was disturbing it was so (laughs) disturbing and i'm not here it makes you feel bad for calling other things disturbing because this was actually disturbing the cgi the fur technology really yes and it's about all these cats basically just introducing themselves throughout the play because they're all trying to introduce themselves and find out which one is going to be sent to die to, and come back to the afterlife. I know which one it is. I, I'm not going to spoil it for people. In <laughs> Gosh, case they, I was in worried case, in case they don't want spoilers from a musical that has been out since since like '83. I just want to say, by the way, it's possible to have a music a musical entirely about people introducing themselves. That's basically what a chorus line is, and still have it be good. But this is not on the emotional level of a chorus line. No. Uh, wow. <laughs> anyway, this was ravaging New York in the 80s. Cats was. <laughs> Her story. <laughs> we have a great show coming up today. Uh, it's frightening. First, we're going to jump into this non-story that was blown up to epic proportions about Taylor Swift's new feud with Kamala Harris. <laughs> It's not a thing. How progressive? I don't know. (laughs) And then we're also going to talk about Donald Trump and criminal justice reform, uh, which has somehow now involved ASAP Rocky. (laughs) It Uh, makes sense when you think about it. And maybe the most legendary of the episode, I sit down with Miss Angela Bassett. Guys, when I found out Angela Bassett was going to be on the podcast, I did my best to be there. Couldn't make it. But then I thought about it. Once upon a time, I got to interview Jane Fonda, who's like my number one by myself. And that was, you know, one of the great moments of my life. Has Talk- she recovered? Say what? <laughs> she stormed out of the room, actually. <laughs> did, did you lock her in the room yeah. and say, <laughs> she's you here. can't leave? Yeah. So uh, the fact that Ira got to interview her by her, because she's like, you're Jane Fonda. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, good for you. And I can't wait to listen to it. And well, Jane Fonda's your Angela Bassett. That's more correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. We've got plenty more Keep It here, so stick around. The apex of politics and pop culture has allegedly come to a head. (laughs) And now it's broken off and rolling down the mountain. Yes, it's dead. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's screaming as you wish. <laughs> uh, last Saturday, music manager and entertainment executive Scooter Braun. Just an infuriating name, by the really? way. Scooter Braun. Oh, no, I'm calling a man Scooter. How fun. It's like, why do people keep leaving him on my lawn? <laughs> uh, he hosted a fundraiser at his house for presidential candidate Kamala Harris. The event was called, you know, Fireside Chat with Kamala, mm. evoking Roosevelt, you know, just I love fireside chats. I sure. love the concept of a fireside chat. Because mm. were people actually listening by the fire when the fi- original fireside chats happened? I That's possible. But was he also by a fire? Yes, yes. right? Okay. The idea that somehow you are more honest because a fire is nearby is <laughs> <laughs> very strange. I mean, well, once you submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society, oh, yeah. th- there are no lies to be told. Remember when they just invented new physics about how to ignite a fire? They're yes. like, throw pebbles that are... <laughs> sand? S- yeah. It's like, sa- it's heavy sand. Anyway, yeah. I think about that a lot. <laughs> uh... Anyway, he hosted it, and it was attended by many people, including Ariana Grande, Katy Perry, Demi Lovato. Um, I guess our invitations were lost in the mail. How strange. Mm. But because Braun is currently beefing with Taylor Swift over the acquisition of her masters, it angered the Swifties on Twitter, who turned their ire on Kamala and said that, you know, they are not going to be voting for her because she is sided with Scooter Braun. Now, (laughs) I will say this became prominent as a story because the Daily Beast wrote an article about apparently three Taylor Swift fans Mm. with anonymous avatars because their stands on Twitter, which means they're Avatar is a photo of Taylor. Right. And they have crazy names. And their names are like Tay 0165443333. Yeah. Right. Um, And so the Daily Beast blasted this story out to, you know, obviously millions of people follow the Daily Beast. And so then it became a story. It wasn't a real one. Uh huh. And that's part of what I talked about on Love It or Leave It last week or so when I talked about how that Jason Momoa sort of body shaming thing wasn't a real thing. It was just three or four people like making comments on Us Weekly's Instagram. You know, it's sort of the same as a lot of that backlash to Halle Bailey being cast as the Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. It's like, how are we going to get past stuff like this becoming a story? Also, if you've ever professionally blogged, you have to write something by the end of the day. Yes, you do. (laughs) And I feel like that's part of the problem too, right? You know, like... It's a weird structure. worked at HitFix, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I worked at Daily Beast. And, you know, it's that constant need to publish a story that isn't a real fucking story. Yeah. To feed the beast. The Daily Beast, if you will. They are admitting it in the title of the website. <laughs> it is sort of interesting that a lot of people, I'm sure, were ready to believe this story because whenever Taylor does anything, you know, her fans really sort of mobilize. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even this weird thing where, like, you know, she's become a celebrity that it's almost impossible to make jokes about, too, right? Because her fans will attack. Maybe, yes. Yeah. So I think also just, like, the peak years of making Taylor Swift jokes sort of passed. Uh-huh. You know, it's right. like it's just like they're all cliches at this point. Mm-hmm. When Okay, no, when the original Taylor Swift Scooter Braun story broke, we were in, I think, World Pride or whatever. Yes. I could not have been more thankful that we weren't talking about that for a, <laughs> for, for a couple of reasons. One, it was just a, her statement is just strange to parse, period. But two, to me, what was so weird about that long, I'll say, diatribe against Scooter Braun was she's talking about the business side of music in a way that 
almost no casual consumer understands mm-hmm. or like that her fans wouldn't understand. And well, so, so that's the beauty of it, right? You know, she can talk about the business side of the music and her fans with maybe even a cursory knowledge of music, they're just getting her emotion and none of the business. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to smoke screen. Then. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that I didn't appreciate what she was saying and it sounded it sound I don't I don't I don't want to like grade sincerity or whatever. I'm sure I'm sure like the intent of it, you know, had some value to it. But for the most part, it's like I actually understand less based on what you have just said. <laughs> you know, it's like, do I, am I mad at him? And so then when like people broke into two camps, like defending Scooter Braun and defending her, I'm like, I actually don't know who was correct. And then the whole business of her dad being involved was brand new news to me. Okay, so. First of all, the dividing into camps between Taylor and Scooter, uh, it's impossible for me to choose any side in this, uh, and I'm glad I'm on neither, really, because <laughs> Taylor's camp includes people like Halsey and Todrick Hall coming mm. to her defense. You, I, I forget that you come for Todrick Hall. I don't love Todrick Hall's work. Is it is it the basic nature of the Disney-ness or what? I think I just got over the Disney-ness, um, and I think particularly during her um, Look What You Made Me Do era when Todrick sort of used working with Taylor to prop himself up mm-hmm. into like being like the black best friend and constantly tweeting, defending this white woman is just sort of wild to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just think that uh, he also was wild during that. You look what you made me do promo tour. We're talking about how like Taylor is one of the best dancers he had ever seen. And it was like, <laughs> Nigga, you don't have to lie to kick it with what? Taylor. I mean, maybe she requires you to. She's somewhere <laughs> She's somewhere between Nelly Furtado and Jessica Simpson on my scale. <laughs> I say that affectionately. I would be below all three of them. <laughs> Can she roller skate? <laughs> oh, are we going to go to the a public fair vi- video? One of my faves. <laughs> Andy Dick stole the scenes. He did. Yes. Yeah. Funny uh, guy. Is it Ryan Seacrest in that video, too? Yes. It's Eva Longoria. Mm-hmm. Who else? Uh, Eva Longoria. It's, Christina I feel like, Applegate. I feel like Vanessa Marcel may be involved as well, but maybe not. Yeah. Could it have been Vanessa Manillo? No, it wouldn't have been her. They're not friends. Vanessa Redgrave. (laughs) (laughs) So part of me knew about her dad's involvement uh, in Big Machine Records because as um, one Swifty tweeted at me, Taylor lives rent-free in my head. Um, I'm constantly thinking about her, which now I worked in Uh, pop culture writing for years and she is one of the biggest pop culture stars of the moment so you kind of have to know basic cursory things about Taylor Swift before you write an article about her so you don't sound dumb. Her father is one of the shareholders of Big Machine Records and she left Big Machine Records which she'd been with for years to join Universal Music Group. So um, when Taylor Swift joined Universal Music Group, it was lauded as a pretty sort of big deal. You know, she joined back in November. And as part of her new contract, you know, any sale of Universal Music Group's um, Spotify shares resulted in a distribution of money to their artists, non-recoupable. So she joined getting money for other artists on the label as well. Mm. And, you know, she believed that it would be a much better terms than paid out previously by other major labels. So that was a really good thing she did, actually. You know, she was using her power and leaving Big Machine to join Universal um, and also do something for other people, you know, because she's been very big about 
streaming rights. Like you remember when she was Correct. going against Apple <laughs> and uh, I'm sure Swifties were throwing their parents iPhones out windows. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was really weird when this whole new Masters thing came up. And for like people who don't know, Masters, you know, are the original recordings of artist music. Um, it's basically just the right to release old music, to keep it on streaming, et cetera. Um, there have been many artists who have problems keeping their masters. I mean, I actually don't think very many artists own their masters. Right, right. Because uh, if you remember, there was that time where Michael Jackson bought, like, the Beatles catalog. Right, that's what that is. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he bought the masters. JoJo had to re-record her masters. Didn't Prince re-record his entire catalog? I think Prince may have done that as well, but I think Prince is, uh, yeah, because he like owns a lot of his masters. And that's usually why some artists will do that, right? There are re-record clauses that keep people from being unable to do that for a few years, but JoJo's had expired uh, and Blackground Music had her masters. And so she was like, I'm just going to re-record them myself. First of all, her new versions of them sound fucking great. Oh, good. Because obviously she's older and more mature as a singer. JoJo of Ark, this yeah. martyr. <laughs> Blackground is also the label that Leah was on, by the way. Um, and they're the people keeping her music off of streaming. I, you cannot find this woman's music anyway. Yes. Which is why you couldn't find JoJo's music anywhere before either. Um, and like Def Leppard re-records, re-recorded like Pour Some Sugar on Me and stuff like that. So mm. they could own their uh, music and I think Kelly Clarkson actually like tweeted or something like girl re-record your songs but <laughs> I don't think it's clear about when the deadline ends for Taylor to be able to do that got it anyway there was all this back and forth and Scott Borchetta you know responded to her Tumblr post you know basically saying that she was made aware of it her dad was made aware of it but then there were also claims that her dad wasn't made aware of it because of conflicts of interest and I don't know. Yeah, shrug. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, she knew about the sale, it seems, but, you know, she was still sort of blindsided by the fact that, you know, it's Scooter Braun who brought her stuff. And listen, her main feud with Scooter Braun is, yes, some people think he's an asshole. Um, some people don't love him. But also, her main beef with Scooter Braun is that he reps Kanye and is, um, like, friends with him and Kim. And this is all going back to Taylor hating Kim and Kanye. Which was a big part of her of, letter. Yes. yes, which is sort of why it exhausted me, because I was like, get over it. <laughs> that is truly... <laughs> I'm tired of hearing perhaps about Perhaps the most exhausting... Feud ever in pop culture history, right? I hate, and I saw the show Feud. <laughs> I hate that I have to know this much about Taylor Swift's music rights now. Like that's just uh -huh. wasted brain space for me. But on top of that, between like Scooter and Taylor, it's like y'all are out here defending millionaires. Like yes. you can't bully a millionaire. Like Taylor Swift <laughs> was like the highest paid celebrity in 2019. She mm -hmm. was paid 185 million. That's crazy. Like she cannot top the Forbes list two years. In a row. Yeah. And I get that the bullying is a large part from, you know, like the I made the bitch famous thing in famous. Mm -hmm. And uh, which I do which, hate. I do so hate terrible. That. I yes. do hate that. It looked not as good for her, though, when Kim leaked that recording, saying that she had signed off on it. So that's part of the few, too. It's like she, she's mad that she was, that's one of the few times she's ever been publicly sort of, um, Exposed as mm -hmm. lying. Oh, right, right. Because also yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, it like, led it to her reputation era too, where she was like, I'm a bad girl, I'm a liar. Right. Because you 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 never get a sort of um candid moment from Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. You know, she she really is unlike 
most very popular celebrities today in that way. So, so when you get like her a, and Beyonce, right? It's like those two, truly. Yeah, they notoriously are just like very careful of their image, and mm-hmm. I like I get why you know that sort of was a blow to her then, um, and it led into that reputation era. But then it's sort of like it's still happening. Yeah. The one thing that I did love about her statement was she did talk about how gross it was that like she and a bunch of other celebrities were just like naked as wax figures in the famous video. Right. Which I thought was gross and I don't watch that video. Um, but everything else, it just seems like this weird sort of like Please stop talking about Kanye and Kim. Yeah, we're I, tired. Right. I, I've 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 done my thinking about it. Thank you so much. What also needs to be named is that the Swifty fan base is disgusting. Like they are bad people. They're you know basically I mean? Barb's, to be honest. Barb's and Iggy fans and Swifty sort of feud to be the worst human beings online. <laughs> Truly, no. Actually, and like I would intuit that like everyone in this room has been like the the victim of like a Swifty fan base like attack in some in some way. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? And like the the way they attack you is with like homophobic with racist with like you know I get like Islamophobic like death threats from like Swifties I'm not Arabic you know what I mean like that's like I think that's it's it's hilarious that you know Taylor Swift's whole platform one of her biggest platforms of like pride month was like stop bullying people and she has yet to address the fan base itself well I had no idea and I will now no longer gift you with the copy of the Quran (laughs) <laughs> uh, for being on the show. Oh my God. Uh, no, I mean, but that's the whole thing, too. You know, it's sort of like Taylor hasn't commented on the alleged Kamala Harris um, attacks because what is I said? It's not real. <laughs> it's not a real story, Daily Beast. Uh, and Kamala's campaign actually I think, slammed the Daily Beast for even writing it as a story mm-hmm. because it wasn't a real story. Um, and which just part of that thing to, you know, make politics um, as pulpy and uh, just sort of like bombastic as um, pop music feuds are, here's, you know, right? It's appropriate because Taylor Swift plays Bombalarina. No, Thank you for bringing it back. Here's my question. So that picture with Kamala Harris and Ariana and Demi and Katy Perry. If Katy Perry hadn't had that bomb hit this summer, mm. would she be in that picture? <laughs> <laughs> but as she said... Just because you thought it was over for her career doesn't mean it's really over. Well, this, Lesson learned. Will this reignite the feud between Katy Perry and Taylor Swift? Who's to say? Right. I know. Yeah. It was weird that that wasn't sort of the crux of yeah, the people right. tweeting online. But I feel like because they had that, oh, we're holding each other at the end of the you need to calm down video. That right. the, the Katy and Taylor over. one is over. Yeah. But how many instances have we seen of like, Taylor and Kanye sort of like embracing or coming back together in the decade since the, their feud's been going on for a fucking decade. Right. That's 2009 VMAs or 10 years ago. Um, how long, you know, how many times have we seen that end and then start up again? Right, right, right. Because they, they have to get into the nice cities every once in a while, you know. Um, a feud's exhausting. At least these are nice celebrities to have at an event. Um, this fireside chat. Uh, because let me tell you, I went to a political fundraiser last week. Really? And oh, wow. I went so that I could talk about it on the show. Mm-hmm. It was a fundraiser for Marianne Williamson. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who's raising funds directly from the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so it was supposed to be hosted by like Laura Dern, Dave Navarro, and neither of them could make it. Uh, And what was very funny, too, was when she went on stage, Marianne Williamson said, uh, 
Well, I want you all to know that Laura Dern could not make it today, but I just want to say, Laura, I've been seeing you like Kamala Harris's Instagrams, uh, and I just want to know, the next time you like one, give me an equal like, too. Oh, <laughs> my God. That is so deeply pathetic. No, no. Wow. Uh, she played it off as a joke, but it's like, you know she means that shit. She could not be more sincere. And it also, <laughs> Pathetically sincere. It continues the mystery of, is Laura supporting Marianne? Because we found out that they were roommates. Right. right? They and were like, roommates? I had no idea. Isn't that wild? That you didn't know great. that? That's fantastic. They were roommates. I'm yeah, so glad briefly. to know that. Uh, the cut wrote about it. Right. Um, but we haven't seen her together since. Like, not in 2019. Uh, no, I mean, and now Marion Williamson is lording it over her, of course. Yeah. Um, Alyssa Milano was there. That is because where the Because if you remember, <laughs> Alyssa tweeted that day that, like, I'm going to Marianne's fundraiser to hear what she has to say. And she's Marianne... like, she's the only one talking about healing energy or something. <laughs> I don't know what she said. But it, it, the thing about Marianne Williamson, we're going to drop this topic in a second. I apologize. <laughs> what she should be doing is exactly what she's doing. Being an author of those type of books for people who need them. I guess she's like a very meaningful person to a lot of people. Why would that mean you should be the president? Right. Yeah. What's actually been weird about the Marianne Williamson um, sort of rise now is that so many people I know have come out of the woodwork and been like, um, I love her. Like, I have been like lectured about yes. her. Like, yes. her books helped me come out or, yep. like, helped me deal with depression. And it's like, I've had, she's been sort of, I guess, on the fringe. I mean, she's Oprah's, an Oprah spiritual advisor, you Correct. know? She's been on, you know, Oprah's show. Like, uh, I don't need Super Dr. Mehmet Oz in the White House, bitch. <laughs> I think this Marianne Williamson, like, fandom is, like, a distinctly Los Angeles thing because we don't have any of this in New York. So okay, I'm yes. glad to hear it. <laughs> no, they're ass people. There are people in New York. I was at really? when, when I came to Out's party. Oh, really? Um, for World oh. Pride. Oh, there were wow. some people being like, um, oh, my God. I've seen you wow. making jokes about Marianne wow. Williamson. Um, and I like her. I've been reading her books. <gasps> she hasn't sold millions and millions of books and stuff without people being yeah, supporters. We just don't know about it. And the gays love Oprah her, is apparently. rich. Like, and Marianne's rich. Like, those books are in people's houses. We just haven't seen them. Because yeah. they haven't come out and been like, Read this. Anyway, she has some new book about love and politics that she was talking about. Oh, on the Colbert show this I week. always say she seems like someone who was asked to leave a West Elm. No! <laughs> Ma'am, those sheets aren't yours. <laughs> no! Ma'am, you've been standing at the counter for a day and a half. Uh, all right. We will be right back with a woman who is not running for president because she is iconic and doesn't need the attention. Angela Bassett. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis. Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I 
effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. When Tillamook ice cream beckons you to the freezer aisle, which irresistibly creamy flavor do you choose? While you're thinking, try not to fuck up the glass. Tillamook ice cream. Extraordinary dairy. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives have it always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us. Without us. Doesn't the Black Experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Starring in the upcoming Netflix movie, Otherhood, out August 2nd. Written and directed by Cindy Chupak, who you know from HBO's Sex in the City and Modern Family, we have an actress who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her one anyway. She's iconic. She's maybe my favorite actress, Miss Angela Bassett. Honestly, my favorite actress, really? Angela Bassett. Oh, yes, so nice. Angela, you are, and it's and it's that's not so nice. a joke. It's grew up loving. I appreciate everything that. that you do. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, so it's an honor to have you on Keep It. Thank you. Pleased <laughs> to be here. Yeah, you were in this new movie, Otherhood, and um, what I loved about it too was is um, you you're dancing in this movie. There's a moment mm-hmm. where you all hit the club, mm-hmm. and I find that um. You're just always so mesmerizing on screen when you dance and use movement, you know, I mean, and not just as Tina, you Mm -hmm. know, like even the scenes in how Stella got her groove back, you know, like, is that just something you love doing on screen? Do you love 
you know. I, I, of course, I love dancing. I love music, especially if it's a good song. But you do feel a little self-conscious. You know, you <laughs> yeah. hope you're not looking like really nerdy. You hope you let me see, what are my best moves? Let me pull out some good moves. And mm-hmm. then uh, you can't know that for sure. So just jump in and have a good time and see what comes out. As long as you're enjoying yourself, it looks pretty, looks pretty fine. Yeah, I mean, and you learn so much dance too for what's love got to do mm-hmm, with it as mm-hmm. well. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Um, and you talked about how sort of like draining it was just doing that performance every day, right? It and I was feel... without the other eye cats, without yeah. the eye cats. Yeah, uh, have dancing you had... and singing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. any breath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you feel you've had a role that um, just physically draining since? Actually, not as draining. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Although just recently I finished doing a movie in Berlin called Gunpowder Milkshake, which is an action thriller. Mm-hmm. And I had to do my own stunts. Okay. And of course, the stunt coordinator thought, you know, though these actresses, these actors, they'll come, maybe we can get 50% out of them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they have the, the double yeah. for you. And uh, but he paid me a huge compliment. He said, "Actually, you're giving me 95." Oh, great! So I did <laughs> most of it, except for one little tricky roll. Okay, <laughs> roll around someone's thigh, you know, and, and take him down to the ground. But uh, well, I mean, I know you work to get that. My friends and I have been obsessed. But I was wishing I was 15 years younger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I've been obsessed with that um, video of you. Did you notice that it went What's viral? That? The one of you talking about your diet and what you were eating. Oh, I heard. And I just went on and on and <laughs> yeah. on with a roll with it. Yeah. You're talking about the Ezekiel bread mm. from the sprout, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the cardio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that video was very fun. I feel like I was like, okay, let me add this to my regimen <laughs> uh, for these action rolls. You are doing that action movie. And what's interesting is that I really liked when you sort of first jumped into like the action world with um, Strange Days. Okay. Uh, with Catherine yeah, Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow. And mm-hmm. um, did you, were you still surprised, you know, sort of like the reaction to that movie back then? I thought that movie was a little ahead of its time, mm-hmm. you know, that people, audiences, came to it a little a little later mm-hmm. you know it was about the on the eve of what the of 2000 mm-hmm. you know and of course we were in the 1900s and we just didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> if everything was just going to shut down mm-hmm. and overload it um but yeah it still holds up i've seen it recently so i'm yeah. really proud of it and it was great to work with Catherine. you know and it was such a, a big scope of a movie too mm-hmm. so hell hell hefty, you know, things that we were asked to do. Yeah. And you worked again with um, a female director here on Otherhood. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And how do you um, just find that feels for you being on set with sort of a woman at the helm? Oh, it's so calm and nurturing. She's not, uh, you know, what she doesn't know, she doesn't know. What she does know, she's comfortable in. Mm-hmm. You like that. Um, she's open to listening to everyone. You know, sometimes that's that's good, you mm-hmm. know, and you process that and come up with the right answer. Um, but no pretense, no pretense about anything. So it really is a bre- breath of fresh air. 
And it was her it was her debut, her first her dictatorial debut. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. it was beautiful to be able to support her in that in a project that she also wrote and yeah. produced because she's a writer producer and we know her work from Sex in the City, which yeah. was so, you know, spectacular um, in terms of female voices and, you know, different things that issues and things that we go through. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it was great to see her stretch out, you know, into the directorial realm. Mm-hmm. And I know that even a film like, um, like how Stella got her group back wasn't mm-hmm. a female director, but I feel like right. rewatching that mm-hmm. it's felt sort of like revolutionary for the nineties, the way, you know, it just sort of paid attention to the female gaze in the film, mm-hmm. you know, it um, took it from your perspective mm-hmm. and it was sort of not what you would expect to mm-hmm. see in a movie like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're missing movies like that now? It's, it seems maybe in this era, you know, where, um, when you go to the cinema, a lot of the, you know, the tentpole movies, you know, they follow, they're, they're about a certain thing, you know, mm-hmm. whether the last one did, whether it's action or it's um, some f- superhero or or um, a thriller or a car chase or something, adrenaline, testosterone driven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's it's refreshing to see, to have the diversity. Mm-hmm. I think absolutely, and di- just different voices. We all don't like the same thing at the yeah. same time, <laughs> do we? <laughs> yeah. No, it's been nice seeing you in sort of these, um, even these action movies, though. Too, you know. I mean, you've been in ten poles. You know, you're here mm-hmm. in the Black Panther movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you feel like that sort of brought you a different audience than the people who've been following your career for um, a while? Um. Maybe, maybe I got a few more Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> What's that like Fans being at about, Oh, crazy, crazy, enthusiastic, enthusiasm, energy, energy. <laughs> <laughs> see, even I perked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, because, yeah, you see those like Marvel, those like Black Panther <gasps> fans. Um, are there, do you find that there are like Strange Dave fans? Who like find you like people who like that sort of sci-fi movie? Um, have you run into many not, of them? Not too many, but I, um, I, it it you run into fans, but and they have their film, they have their films. Mm-hmm. You know, they either like what's love got to do with it, or Stella, or you know, mm-hmm. or now of course Black Panther, yeah, or Strange Days. There, so. I'm hitting, I'm hitting them all. Yeah. I'm hitting all, I'm trying to check all the boxes. Something uh, for everyone. <laughs> I mean, and I asked you too about that um, video, but like even things with like waiting to exhale, like I mm. feel like even people who haven't seen that movie, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you're like a meme, you know, the, uh-huh. the Bernie's like yeah. burning the car, you know? Uh, is that just something that is still wild to you? Like people, do you see people like, or hear about people online, like using that photo or using it as like a gift or something? I've heard about that. Yeah. I've heard about that. That's uh, that's fun. That's fun and funny to me because you, I mean, you're just doing the work and you don't know it. There's a, it's a moment, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a snippet of moment. And, and we do that with films, you know, where there's a line or something that, um, it's just so truthful to us or whatever we're going through at the moment that, mm-hmm. that speaks to us, you yeah. know, you know, depending on our personality, <laughs> you know, and, and what we gravitate toward. And that, you know, that moment of empowerment, 
you know, that it's a cathartic moment, I think, for a lot of people. It was for me, which is one of the reasons why when I came came on that project, I was in the early part of it. And um, Terry McMillan, who wrote the book that the movie was based on, Mm -hmm. she always thought I would play Savannah. Mm -hmm. She just saw me as that character. But it's like, no, it was something about burning that car that Mm-hmm. That felt so empowering. Who doesn't to want me. to burn a car? I know. <laughs> I know. Um, sell all your stuff for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about things that you were gravitated towards then, I really love that interview um, that you had with Laura Dern, you know, where you were talking about each other's crafts as actors. Oh, I haven't seen that, uh, but I remember. Oh, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are, are there um, any actors, actresses throughout your career who you feel you've really sort of been gravitated towards? You've been like, I love that work. I love what they're doing. Mm. Well, as soon as you said that, it made me think when I had an opportunity to work with Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. Like, you think, you know, she's such a master. You'll never get a chance. Or will you? Mm-hmm. And and we did, you know, once. <laughs> and uh, just meeting on that first day, you know, that first day um, where you're nervous and, she's a, and she says she's a little nervous too. <laughs> you're, you're like... <laughs> To work with you, you yeah. know, um, um, it's, you know, you have no idea. Of course, you wouldn't think that in a million years, mm-hmm. but that sort of, uh, then you go to work. Or the first time I was going to uh, do a movie with Cicely Tyson, and it was like, I was a young actress. It was just, let me walk out of the room. I'm meeting her for the first time, and I'm going to work with her. But it's just, let me, let's meet, look into each other's eyes. You pl- pay your respects, and then you go to work. And that's all you can hope to do. Yeah, I mean, can't be nervous now. No, you know, leave that <laughs> leave that back in the trailer. Uh, but even thinking about that, though, you know, I, mean, I have always just sort of thought of you in that caliber. Always, you know, I mean, oh, I was always you. sad, you know, that you didn't get that. What's love got to do with an Oscar? Mm. I've talked about that on the show many mm. times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd be nice to get, but. I guess uh, that was another purpose or a reason why, you mm-hmm. know, um, and certainly having not get, gotten it, I've continued to get work. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice between one or the other, mm-hmm. you know, you prefer the work. Well, I saw um, an interview um, after that period, too, where you talked about, you know, the, the scripts weren't necessarily great, but you were getting a large oh. volume of scripts afterwards. Um, after what? After the What's Love Got to Do oh, With no, It. After I didn't work the... for like 18 months after that. Oh, after wow. that movie came out, which was interesting. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, you get an <laughs> Oscar nomination and people have seen it, all the hoopla, and then nothing. Because, I don't know, maybe... I don't know. Are you a lead now? Are you in different category of sorts now? Um, you know, or people have different expectations of what you're expecting. You're just expecting good scripts, good work, mm-hmm. good offers. Are you finding that there's more of a wealth of material now for you to choose from? No, I don't. But maybe that's just the dilemma of the actor. Mm-hmm. There's never a wealth. Of, mm-hmm. um, I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe a year from now, mm-hmm. six months from now. You know, of course, I have a series, so mm-hmm. I know that will go on. But other than that, I mm-hmm. don't. It. It sort of the work sort of shows up, and maybe when it shows up, maybe you get the script and you go to work. 30 days mm-hmm. <laughs> or in a couple of weeks or can you do it next week? Yeah. Um, so it's just about being real malleable. 
and open. Is that what drew you to wanting to do something like 911, um, so, just so you could have that, I know what I'm doing mm-hmm. each year? Um, I think mainly what drew me to it was working with the company, working with Ryan Murphy, and had been working with he and Brad Felchuk on on American Horror Story mm-hmm. for four Marie Laveau, yes, for four that. years. Yeah, and uh, that was a great experience. And then to and that was supposed to be a one off, you know, just mm-hmm. you know, just that one season, those twelve episodes, and then move on. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he came back with a different character that was that was intriguing and different than anything I'd ever done. And then the following year, same thing. And the, and now you're part of a, it feels like a repertory company of mm-hmm. actors whose work you appreciate, Jessica Lange, Kathy Bates, and Sarah Paulson, and, you know, mm-hmm. on and on and on, Emma Roberts, and, you know, um, and all the guys, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so... You feel as if you are, you know, your talents and what you you bring to the story are appreciated. So you like to be around when folk appreciate you, right? Mm -hmm. And so my contract was up then because I did the one off and then came back for three years and then move on. And then came up, Brian came, called me with this idea of 911. And of course, the history, if history is any indication of what future (laughs) (laughs) may look like, it was pretty good, pretty positive, um, having not read the script. Um, so you signed on the site. Yeah, yeah, but he brings together, he, he has a real, they have a real talent for great casting and now the type of work that they do, they get, mm-hmm. just, you know, who does, who does, what actor wouldn't want to, you know, come aboard. Of you know, course. he gets, yeah, they get great cast. Um, well, I love how you call it a company too, you know, because you started out in theater, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. getting your degrees from Yale. Absolutely. Um, and do you find that you miss that? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. So I've been thinking about that, you know, as a part of my otherhood, you know, <laughs> when my, when my 13 year olds are up and probably fly up the nest together, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that I would love to get back to the, to theater, mm-hmm. to the theater. Yeah, I mean, you were in honestly one of my favorite plays ever, and I'm sad I wasn't mm-hmm. able to see that. But Joe's Turner's Come and Gone, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. August and, Wilson, yeah, Lloyd uh, Richards directing, and it's um, so many of those are being remade now too. Like Denzel's working on those. Oh yes, for um, film. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we have Fences and Ma Rainey's coming out now, right? Like, and Jitney's coming to the Mark Taper, coming to L.A. Yeah. later this year. So, yeah, are there any that you know, sort of? you play as you really wish that you could be a part of, um, something that you wish you could redo? Hmm. No, I'm always interested in, uh, new voices. Mm -hmm. You know, I certainly love, you know, I was able to do Fences, another Mm -hmm. August Wilson play and had a great run with that. Lawrence Fishburne, myself, Orlando Jones and Wendell Pierce. I mean, Mm -hmm. we, we had a, a, a ball and I think it, it it caught us off guard because mm-hmm. the theater was filled every night and really could have had a longer life than mm-hmm. what we initially set out, you know, contracting to do. But um, I also, the last show that I did on Broadway, The Mountaintop by Katori Hall, mm-hmm. 
Um, yes, uh, the Martin Luther King play. Yes, and with then, Sam you know, Jackson, King Leon directed. It's been a while, so I can, I, can, I can spoil that you show up, you know, as you're, you're there as the maid first, but then, you know, you're the an angel. angel. Yeah. yeah. I I love that. It was just fresh. It was different. It was exciting. Um, I got to rap. <laughs> <laughs> they called it a word bridge, you know, <laughs> but um, I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, who doesn't love the classics, but... I love uh, putting a spin on something new. Yeah, I mean, and it's great, too, because the theater now is just filled with so many exciting mm-hmm. new black voices. I too. can't wait to get back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of doing, like, Mountaintop, you know, you, that's interacting, you know, with Martin Luther King, you know, and you have played so many roles interacting with, you know, black mm. icons like mm-hmm. that. I mean, you know, you played Betty mm-hmm. Shabazz mm-hmm. three times, I believe. <laughs> You have the cameo in Panther. Tell me, tell me. Uh, Van Peebles. Yes, yes, yes. Mario Van and Peebles. And then mm-hmm. Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And then Betty and Corinne. Oh, yes. Yeah. With Mary J. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Three times. Three times. Three times. Three times the jar. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what's it feel like just being part of that, like, black History. I mean, I don't think we get sort of films like that so much anymore. You know, no, not, no, it was not yeah. spikes, Malcolm X goes through cycles, like right? Yeah. Goes through cycles, and yeah, I, it, it just intercepted intersected with my time here on <laughs> Earth um, and being ready for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. I um, those women are real inspiration. Their lives have been, and you were just. I was just hoping to pay respectful homage to to mm-hmm. their life and to what they stood for, mm-hmm. you know? There was a recent, even um, New York Times article yeah. talking about how the 90s was sort of seen as this sort of like black renaissance. You know, there were a lot of black directors mm-hmm. getting films. You know, there seemed like more actors were getting work. And then it sort of went away for a bit. And now we're back maybe in that era. I mean, do you find that filmmaking now just feels a little bit different than it did when you were making like, Malcolm X and what's all I've got to do with it and Stella. Well, like I said, it feels like it's more tenfold. So, mm-hmm. you know, where it, is there a place for me in that? Have I missed missed that time? That's why it's, you know, I'm pleased with all the platforms that they are. I can go back to television or, mm-hmm. you know, or to, to, to cable, to streaming, to Netflix, to Hulu, to Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not just those, you know, five or six places as before. Um, but yeah, I feel as if it's opened up a little bit, but telling a good story takes time and it takes craft. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're always looking for, the craft of it, not just a lot of it, mm-hmm. a lot of something, but something good. It's so thing, it's still a challenge. Yeah, it uh, still can be a challenge. What role would you say that maybe you find you remember the most, you know, that you find most memorable to you. And it may not even be the one that, you know, like people always stop you on the street for. Mm. No, definitely what's love. So a lot of people stop me for that because so much I always say was required of me emotionally, physically, Mm -hmm. um, time when I was, you know, 
pretty new to L.A., pretty mm-hmm. new to being on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be, a, it could have been, a, it was a make or break moment. Not it could have been, it was, <laughs> you know, a make or break moment. And yeah. I think we all have those in our lives. There's some like defining moments, some fork in the road in a moment in our lives. Are we going to go left, go right? Are we prepared for this moment? Have we, do we have enough preparation for this opportunity that's ahead of us? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't even know when it's coming. You, I mean, maybe I had, you have this audition in three days. <laughs> you yeah. know, you have, maybe you have three days notice, but you've had 30 years to prepare. Just mm-hmm. be excellent. You know, do your best for 30 years and maybe you'll be ready when you get three days notice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I've always been very drawn to um, horror as a fan. You mm-hmm. know, so it's been great seeing you in American Horror Story. But also, you know, as I mentioned, Strange Days. But also one of my favorite roles of yours is Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Listen, I revisited it too. And it's still oh, funny. It holds up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and even other things, you know, like watching you grow up being on shows like Alias and stuff, oh, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, finding you do stuff like that and to like Olympus has fallen to, you know, it's nice seeing you in these action roles and getting sort of this. Um, or action movies. Yeah. It's not yeah. the roles. Yeah. The right. action movies. Yes. Right. You want to see the action I, I, roles. I, yeah. Next. That's what I want. <laughs> You can do that. I'm in the action movie. Yeah. But I'm in the action role. Yeah. Have you take uh-huh. off the, you know, the the pantsuit, you know, and pick up Well, the, I was just in the action movie yeah. with the action role. Okay, you see, great. I got this ice on my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> now the action roles show yeah. up. <laughs> you know? uh, before you go, I mm. do want to point out... Um, we so in our actual studio we have a panel, the logo of like people who've inspired us in mm-hmm. the show. And yes. you are the first person to be on the show who is on that panel. Really? I'm gonna oh, you're gonna show me something? Like. Yes. Okay. That is the keep it panel that's behind us when we record. Oh, you are where am I? Right there next to Oh, there I am. Yes. <laughs> next yes. to V. Yes. Oh, I love yeah, it. Yeah, but you know. You were the first one to, who's on the panel to be here. Oh, so, oh yeah. I see, I see. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, you keep it going until yeah. you get all of these folks on the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being thank here. You, thank Angela. you. It was a pleasure. Yes, it was really an Appreciate honor to meet it. you. You too. Yes. <laughs> we'll be right back. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary dairy. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu.
And we're back. I feel like we were just talking about Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. and Kanye West. Uh, can't get enough of her. I just can't get enough. I'm KK crazy. <laughs> no. For Kim Kardashian. My face is melting. Stop it. Uh, why are you like this? Uh, as we all know, Kim, star of Legally Blonde 3, has... Um, <laughs> You know, been very big about criminal justice reform uh, and getting people out of prison. And Donald Trump's been helping. There will soon be a TNT series based off this. Yes. yes. Um, But this week, she's turned to Donald Trump to get another prisoner out. And this one is rapper ASAP Rocky, who is currently in solitary confinement in Sweden due to involvement in a physical fight that's actually, I believe, been like documented on social media and on On his own social media. On his own and social media. Uh, Um. Have none of these people seen a crime drama? I guess not. No. Why would you do that? (laughs) The reality star solicited her pals in the White House to try and free ASAP. But unfortunately, as I tweeted about and expected, Trump made things worse by reaching out (laughs) to the prime minister of Sweden. Yeah. Sweden's like, we um, don't care. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, um, on July 1st, TMZ posted a video of ASAP allegedly throwing a man across the street in Stockholm as a fight broke out. But his Instagram showed other parts of the altercation. And also the caption was like, so a few drug addicts are not my fans. We don't know these guys and we didn't want trouble. They followed us for four blocks and they were slapping girls' butts who passed. Give me a break. They talk about how they're being followed by the man in camera. So it really seems like the event was really sort of instigated by these crazy yeah, fans. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, ASAP is the one who's arrested and he's been there for two weeks and if convicted, could look at six years for defending himself, allegedly. That's what ASAP Ferg tweeted. They're a part of the ASAP family. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, ASAP drag house, if you will. <laughs> but after learning about ASAP's imprisonment, Kim Kardashian reached out to Jared Kushner. Already. Love right. reaching out Your to Jared Your eyes should Kushner. be crossing and falling out. <laughs> what was he, outside of a Nuremberg? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trial. And anyway, she tweeted on July 18th, thank you at Real Donald Trump. Secretary Pompeo, Jared Kushner, and everyone involved with the efforts to free ASAP Rocky and his two friends. Your commitment to justice reform is so appreciated. Prayer emoji, crossed fingers emoji. (laughs) And then Trump tweeted the next day, just spoke to at Kanye West about his friend ASAP Rocky's incarceration. The the fact that Donald Trump is tweeting about ASAP Rocky and Kanye West is ludicrous to me. It's wild. But why? Go ahead. I will be calling the very talented prime minister of Sweden to see what we can do about helping ASAP Rocky. So many people would like to see this quickly resolved. Very talented is the craziest way to describe a prime minister. That is how you describe a magician. <laughs> Secondly, he also gave a press conference in which he talked about how Melania was allegedly the one who taught him about ASAP Rocky. Tell me more. What on earth did she know about him? What? Was she familiar with the song Good For You? I truly want to know her hand. I, do, I don't understand. Were they at some fashion show, some yeah, the like, boat thing years ago? And I also, he mysteriously spells ASAP Rocky's name correct every time, which means like there are several hands on the keyboard helping him out. But um, this also uh, calls to mind the thing I most hated about Donald Trump from like nine, 10 years ago, which is nobody has been, this seems so elementary to bring up. I'm sorry to do it. The 
obsessive name dropping. If he can claim he knows anybody or is friends with anybody, he will. That was what the entire apprentice was about. Him being like, these are my friends. You're going to now lobby my friends to get money, whatever. Every single fucking competition would be like, you're here, you're making pizza. <laughs> right. My very good friend Sabaro is here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so in a way, it's just uh, wise of Kim Kardashian to use her her cloud to go through him because it's so flattering to him. Like she, I mean, it, it, it. I guess in a way, it's encouraging to see pop culture figures um, use the one tool we know we have with him, which is um, obsessive flattery. I mean, stories like this, and also even like with the scooter story, like headlines are increasingly becoming like a very poorly done like game of Mad Libs. Oh, like, yeah. well, no, how right. are all of these names being jumbled together? What do they have to do with each other? I hate it. Um, but yeah, also it's just like this is not how criminal justice reform works like this is not how prison reform is supposed to work like reaching out to the president is not the way to go like you know like to any to i'm excited that um someone like with the platform like kim kardashian can create more visibility on this issue maybe but like uh, work with activists you know what i mean like don't work with donald trump in this whole scenario it's just a frustrating thing to bear witness to for me yeah the idea that there's somehow um progress occurring here when it in fact is just a circus is like, I guess, uh, here's a phrase I would never want to use, peak 2019. <laughs> right, because the grossest part about this is Donald Trump and the White House now using this as sort of free press to be like, we love black people. Right. Because uh, mm. in, in the same press conference, he was like, many, many members of the African-American community have called me, friends of mine, and said, can you help? <laughs> I personally don't know ASAP Rocky, but I can tell you he has tremendous support from the African-American community in this country. And when I say African-American, I think I can really say from everybody in the country, because we're all one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Thank you, Bono. <laughs> no. You, does he think the African-American community is like a building? Like that there is a phone inside and that can reach him sometimes? Also, flip side... The African-American community does not give a fuck about ASAP Rock. <laughs> because uh, he's the third most talented person on that song with Kendrick Lamar and Drake. <laughs> I'll say it. I love bad bitches. My yeah. fucking problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. Uh -huh. This whole incident has brought up the fact that in 2016, in a Breakfast Club interview, ASAP was asked about Ferguson. And he said, why? Because I'm black. So every time something happens because I'm black, I got to stand up. What the fuck am I? Al Sharpton now? I'm ASAP Rocky. I did not sign up to be no political activist. I don't want to talk about no fucking Ferguson and shit because I don't live over there. I live in fucking Soho and Beverly Hills. I can't relate. I'm in the studio. I'm in these fashion studios. I'm in these bitches drawers. I'm not doing anything outside of that. That's my life. He called Black Lives Matter a bandwagon and also mentioned that maybe Cosby would be innocent. Uh, <laughs> Good uh, coda. <laughs> wow. And now you're in Sweden, bitch. Stay in Sweden. <laughs> we don't need So you. now we're supposed to care about um, his Black Lives Matter in Sweden. I think there should be a game show where you are asked a very important question and you have to somehow get around to I live in fashion houses. It's just weaving a tail until you get back to fashion houses. And then, of course, the U.S. is telling Sweden that they should be treating ASAP Rocky fairly because he's an American. And um, people have pointed out that 
we don't even treat Americans <laughs> fairly what about that? here. So Sweden should treat black people in prison better than America treats black people in prison. Correct. What a concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that thing we should be. How about that? <laughs> I think the only tweet that really made sense about it was Justin Bieber. Which is wild to me. Right. Uh, that Bieber is the voice of reason in all of this. Who was also is... involved in the <laughs> Scooter, Braun. The Scooter Braun thing. These are just all the same supporting players in a different season. Yeah, it's right. A new storyline. No, I'm so ready for this uh, American true crime story, whatever. Ryan Murphy's going to option this fast. And okay. I'm trying to not be, well, I thought I was mad at Justin Bieber for what he did on that version of Bad Guy. <laughs> Guys, who wants to listen to that? That remix, alleged remix with Billie Eilish, is one of the worst things I've ever heard. It's horrible. It is the sister nobody would want, <laughs> the mother I did not deserve. The power that doesn't have. <laughs> the domestic implications it has. Um, he tweeted, I want my friend out. I appreciate you trying to help him. But while you're at it, Donald Trump, can you also let those kids out of cages? Good. The only Great. good comment. <laughs> right. I don't know who on his team composed that. I mean, yes. it was it was him. Uh, he spelled so? Y-O-U-R. Oh, oh, okay. So we good. Yes. Yeah. Authenticity. He, he tweeted from um, Juice Box Breaks at his church that he goes to. Haley <laughs> Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, if if Bieber is the voice of reason, everyone else is in trouble. This yeah, it's just not not the thing that I want to be. Which obviously, to. you know, as we've said, um, what's happened to ASAP Rocky um, does sound horrible from a standpoint. Yes, uh, and I hope he does get out. But it's sort of hard to feel bad for someone who has just sort of like not cared about other black people in prison in general. Mm -mm. And yes, obviously, it is awful what has happened. ASAP Rocky, particularly because it's probably race related as g Easy had his own detainment in Sweden for a drug possession and assault. But it's also unfortunate that now Trump is getting to use this as a marketing campaign for black votes. Right. No, it's, it's incredibly flippant. There's nothing. There's no uh, 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 conscience there. But I do bet Pete Buttigieg wishes he could get ASAP out of prison. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. Get his first uh, handful of. He needs black votes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, and also, yeah, I just when it comes to like criminal justice reform, like it's it's not a sustainable plan of action to just reach out to Donald Trump every time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just not how. All of this shakes down. And if if like Kim Kardashian or anybody trying to, you know, create platforms about this wanted to create real change, they would give other people who are bearing witness to all of this, you know, the tools and the the, the ways to mobilize and organize around this issue. Because right. we all can't call Donald Trump, you know what I mean? Or whoever is the president at that time, regardless of who it is. And it's good to make it public. Um, and, you know, I don't want to knock Kim for doing this because what she has done has been great. But we're sort of at the point now where like, each incident keeps happening where you're doing this personal reach out mm -hmm. and it's okay. So what are we doing beyond that? You know, because there's a lot of black people in prison, a lot of black trans people in prison. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's, we have to do something more about it at and, this point. And on top of that, like Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, like, I hate to say it, like, can be as powerful as Donald Trump sometimes. Like, you, mm -hmm. like they could mobilize on their own. They mm -hmm. don't necessarily need him. And it's just gross to read a tweet that's like, thank you, at Donald Trump. Like, yeah, that's something right, I never right. want to read. No, that's, from I, I, I would literally say in a way that is traumatizing to read. Truly. Right. They're just going to be like, 
We're going to execute him, actually. Thanks for calling <laughs> Trump to, to piss off Trump because he's annoying. Yeah. You know, at any point possible, don't tweet, thank you, Donald Trump. And try to do something yourself. <laughs> yeah. Because he's proven to be very unhelpful in this. <laughs> uh, and I don't want us to start a war with Sweden. There's that. Over yep. ASAP Rocky. Mm hmm. I need, we get the ABBA Masters. I've just decided. <laughs> <laughs> I want the ABBA Masters. Oh my God. Please. I would buy iconic. them if I had the coins. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have an ABBA tattoo. Do you? Do you really? I do. It says you can dance. It's Dancing Queen. Oh. Okay. I know, right? I always say Dancing Queen is my favorite song about giving weird compliments to an underage stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Only I 17. Mean, yeah, God, I love you. There's so many to choose from, though. Yes, yeah, right. Really, right. So. That's part of my one of my favorite pop genres, by the way. The like, um, I saw her standing there. It's like she was just 17. It's like, was there a period where we were obsessed with? 17-year-olds and getting to fuck them by jukeboxes? I fucking guess. No, it's vile. What's you your... guys don't decry this song that is tattooed on my body. No, I love Dancing Queen. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, what's your favorite non-Abba Gold song? I'm going to go with... I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Uh, mine's If It Wasn't For The Nights. I love that song. Too. I love song. that song. A perfect song. Mm -hmm. What's yours? My other alternate is The Winner Takes It All, but that's Abba Gold. Right? Sure is. I'm so sorry. You're the one with the tattoo, sweetie. You know, I can't keep Take up Take off that with tattoo, you. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay? I can name every Hall & Oates song. That's why it's on my arm. <laughs> I've not earned my stripes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mom. Honey, In front honey. of me, I hold no photo honey, because honey, you don't deserve it. I'm sorry. I let you down. When we're back, keep it. And mine might be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It. Wee. Uh, Fran, <sighs> ladies first. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm so excited. Uh, my Keep It this week is to everyone who's watching the Lion King remake right now and coming out of that theater, particularly gays on Twitter, at, are really mad about the fact that Scar was not gay in this rendition of The Lion King. Not he, that he was gay the first time. No, he wasn't like <laughs> explicitly gay, but he had a queenie voice. Yes. He had actually limp wrists. Like Scar literally had like limp wrists in like the cartoon version. Um, and he was kind of a queen. And, you know, the gays are mad. There were tweets about this. People were saying, oh, I thought The Lion King was wonderful. Timon and Pumbaa were perfect. Spirit fit beautifully. My only criticism is I wish Scar delivered one line like the original and that he was more gay. Or people are people are calling it the heterofication of gay icon Scar. So here's the thing. That's, this is wild because, first of all, as you said, Scar was not gay. Right. He w w had a queer affect. And, you know. His hair is kind of Cher-like. Yes, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This and, is just like uh, when Ray was here talking about how people assumed Ursula was black. Right. That's what. Yes, it's like that. It, it's but it's wild. Also, like we as queer people, yes, like we saw ourselves in a lot of villains. Like you know, Prince John in Robin Hood was a queen, and like Ursula was modeled after Divine, the drag queen, and like there are a lot of villains that have like queeny behaviors. Jafar, yes, but mm -hmm. like we, yeah, Jafar. Oh my gosh, is actually voiced by a gay man. But um, that we, it's 2019 now, and we have real actual gay characters that we can invest in. Maybe hopefully played by gay actors one day that we can you know vouch for and you know try and get out into the mainstream. So I just think it's crazy that people are using this backwards knowledge of like, oh, it like needs to be like the original uh, and have like, it's just, it's such a failure of the imagination, first of all. <laughs> but second of all, 
like that is kind of the same knowledge that people are weapon. That's the same like logic that people are weaponizing against like Ariel being black in like the new remakes. Like it needs to be like the original. It's like, no, like it actually doesn't. And like we as queer people don't need to like look for scraps in in like our cartoon movies and in our like kids movies. You know, what's interesting. Jeremy Irons, the voice of Scar is one of those Tim Curry people where it's there's actually nothing gay about him. It's just like a heterosexual version of camp. There's like a sort of um, a refined quality yeah. that has like a little bit of a sinister snicker in it. Yeah. That's not British gay. Too. Yeah, it's not yeah. yeah. I, I always say Jeremy Irons is kind of like the male Kate Blanchett and that there's there's a, a refined quality there, but there's also a slight eyebrow arch that indicates something is a, a little bit extra fabulous, you know, but it's not, but that's not the same thing as it being gay. Yeah. Mm. And it, it's very similar to he has such us. a beautiful voice. Anyway. He does have a go- gorgeous voice. Um, it's very similar, you know, to the drama we had around Beauty and the Beast, right? Mm-hmm. The live action one. It's oh, right. Like, you know, with the. Um, the gay moment was the hug. Oh my the embrace. god! Terrible. Uh, gay people always uh, hugging. A fist, uh. a fist bump uh, would have been more realistic. Um, you know, it's I'm tired of these little tiny moments. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think um, we've just constantly had this push and pull in the media. And I don't want a coded gay star. No. You know, because like, what does that even mean? Yeah. You know? uh, um, I'm excited that we're finally going to stop having that push and pull with Marvel. Uh, exactly. Because yes. they announced their whole new slate of movies um, that I am the most excited for here. I'm Which sure. includes the first trans superhero played by Scarlett Johansson. So <laughs> right. So excited. Uh, but, you know, um, Tessa Thompson will be playing Valkyrie in the new Thor. Um, she will be LGBT hue. Uh, she'll be biased. She is in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly. someone in Eternals is going to be a gay character. Kevin Feige confirmed. And everyone thinks it's Richard Madden playing that character. Um, mm. I don't know why people would think that. Right. Certainly has nothing to do with him walking around uh, having a bromance with Brandon Flynn. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I couldn't remember that guy's oh, name. Thank God you did. Um, I'm sure I've brought this up before, but isn't it crazy that Jeremy Irons doesn't have a Grammy. That's he's one away from the full EGOT, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh. girl, it's like you have the audiobook voice. What is wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, he would what, one Great expectations is sitting here waiting for you to read it. <laughs> well, I was also a little mad that "Be Prepared" was cut. Yeah, that's one of the best songs. It's like that's also like a queer anthem. I mean, if I'm gonna like grab for like queer material in like a straight movie, you know yeah. what I mean? And be, shout be, out to um, uh, Keep It Guest Billy Eichner, who really was fabulous in it. He was. I don't know if I cried during. I, can you feel the love tonight? As Billy said, he did. Uh-huh. I was really just sort of like, who? Beyonce sounds great. Uh, <laughs> why is she singing a duet with Donald Glover? Mm-hmm. Not really a vocal match, <laughs> if you will. Also, the power of Beyonce <laughs> is also not a match for Nala, one of the most boring characters who ever lived. Yeah. No, I mean, they tried to make her a bit more feminist in this movie, right? You know, I don't remember the lionesses attacking so much at the end, but... No, and she's like, Lions, are you with me? <laughs> I felt it. <laughs> and speaking of Billy and like people using like their voices for productive conversations, like I love that Billy's kind of using a lot of his like PR tour for this movie to talk about LGBTQ representation in Hollywood and also like casting an, a, a queer actor in a quote unquote straight role, even though he said that he like played uh, Timon with uh, a gay sensibility. I don't know what that means. Um, I think that's hilarious. But anyways, I love that he's using his PR tour to be like, yeah, 
yeah, I'm actually like working on a gay rom-com. I think that gay people should be allowed to play straight people. They have the range. We should do everything. Um, so, you know, that's productive conversation. And I think you're, uh, you're of course they can. I mean, you're here. Uh, right. Our first gay Keep It co-host. That's right. So. The first one in the history <laughs> of Keep It. Um, but, you know, your your Marvel point is a, also a great illustration of the fact that, like, let's work and mobilize and get up in arms about those things, about getting the first queer superhero as opposed to, like, being like, well, why isn't Scar a homosexual? Yeah. You know what I mean? Why isn't the ninth build character in this movie sort of gay? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Also, who would he be fucking? There only seem to be... Three male lions in this project. <laughs> yeah, right. Him, Mufasa, and Simba. Exactly. Exactly. Simba. Simba was probably a little gay in this movie. Oh, for sure. I mean, originally voiced by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who maybe also one would say has a quote unquote gay sensibility. Mm. Wow, it's tool time. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, what is your keep it this week? Um, my keep it is to certain storylines on a show I have adored. Now, let me tell you something about Big Little Lies, which is the show I'm going to be talking about. It really did deliver the essential nutrients I need from the show. Certain things we got, um, and particularly in the final episode, but the whole season. Nicole Kidman in her limp butterscotch wig, finding her inner strength at a critical moment. Her That's practical magic up. wig. <laughs> Precisely, yes. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of practical magic-y. She yeah. just had her hairdresser dusted off. <laughs> no. I'm sure she still had it at home. A la uh, when uh, Je- uh, Julia Roberts did that movie where she used that old wig from the movie she did in Notting Hill for mm. Valentine's yes. Day. The same uh, Bob. Anyway, <laughs> we also got Meryl Streep proving you can play the part of a psychopath using only incisors acting. Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be a Yale exercise. Her and her teeth had a wonderful performance. Right. I, no, you just looked at those teeth and you're like, those teeth would kill. <laughs> um, we got Shailene Woodley enjoying her job at the aquarium. I don't know. I enjoyed that too. However, did were, you? Yeah. <laughs> her nervousness about being at the aquarium really spoke to me. <laughs> but we also had several storylines that just didn't pan out. First of all, Bonnie, who Zoe Kravitz, who spent the whole season just with a migraine. That was her whole acting. <laughs> her storyline tied up with her telling her husband she wasn't in love with him. Girl, who is your husband? I'm not thinking about him. He's talking about ninth build. What's he doing on this show? Her husband shared more scenes over the course of two seasons with Adam Scott than right. he did her. Our good friend. Yeah. Unfortunately, that never panned out either. What, they're mad at each other? Great. Mm. Secondly, so Renata, who is Laura Dern. Mm-hmm hero whatever she destroyed her uh, husband's like game room which was a big gifable awesome moment or whatever she's got hot sauce in her bag <laughs> no. swag um <laughs> i know the song i loved you saying swag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. but the fact is they couldn't write around the fact that renata would have left her husband a long time ago that yeah. just made no sense first of all he looks like warren zevon i know that's not her type second of all i was waiting for them to had, do something with that you know because there's this idea that she's a strong woman it starts out with her women in power and if it's supposed to be a story about a woman being outwardly powerful but like secretly not being able to do it. They really sort of failed. I thought one of the weirdest scenes was when she was talking to Jane, like at the party they had. Right. Uh, and was like, we always stay. And it's <laughs> like, do, do you? When? You must know many women who've gotten divorces. Madeline got one. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, what 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 metric are you using here? <laughs> yeah. And then and then lastly, uh, the Reese Witherspoon Adam Scott storyline tied up with them deciding to renew their vows. Guys, I'm this is this is 
going to seem like a bold proclamation. I find vow renewals depressing. Yeah. You're you're already married. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't solve your storyline. Doesn't make me believe you're in love. What happens three months from now? Yeah. You're still in this damn marriage. You still don't trust each other secretly. <laughs> Vow renewals really sort of make the most sense on like daytime soap operas because, you know, John and Marlena are renewing their vows because she was presumed dead for eight years. You right. know? It's like... <laughs> yeah. I thought it was crazy that Reese and, and her husband's like um kind of whole the whole se- season was around their tension and like what would I would hope amount to like an explosive moment that really just dissolved toward right. the end. That was like so, especially since every other cast member got to like explode so many times. You know, like Laura Dern screamed so yeah. much in this season and that's amazing. And that is like, yes, what I signed up for. Absolutely. It's very weird. Um, Reese seemed to take a step back this season, whereas last mm-hmm. year was just like she was the main character. Right. And you could mm-hmm. see why um, she was the contender with Nicole to get that Emmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this year, you know, I feel like Adam Scott was more of the person that I really want to see be nominated this year. Well, it's he also, was doing it's... so much with that role. And her role was just to sort of be like, do you trust me every episode? Right. Mm-hmm. His role had more mystery to it. I kept uh-huh. wondering, like, what's going on with him? Whereas with her, she sort of she was just sorry the whole season, you know? Yeah. And it and was it, a character development that felt like earned. You know what I mean? Did her daughter go to college? I mean, like, does she care about anything else besides this marriage? At oh, this yeah. Point? That daughter disappeared. And I love her. She's such a good actor. Yeah, Catherine Newton. Great. She was in um, Ben is Back. Mm, yeah. Yes. Uh, and, you know, she's just sort of there in the final episode. She's like, I really need to tell him. And it's like, okay, cool. So many of these storylines felt stretched out. Right. Yeah. You know, so many of the moments that happened in the finale seemed like they should have been the midpoint of the series and I feel like would have been last season. I, th- I think this season felt like a movie, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like what is happening in episode two of this season? You know what I mean? Like w- w- everything you needed to know basically occurred in the past and in, in the last hour and a half. Yeah. So um, and that's the same thing with Renata, you know, like that was so much fun. But like, why didn't she find out about this nanny earlier? Mm-hmm. Why didn't she destroy the toys and things earlier? And then mm-hmm. just sort of leave and we could see them doing anything else with their Mm -hmm. lives. And then it just sort of ends with them going, uh, spoiler alert, uh, ends with them going to the police station, and then we don't know what happened there. So either. your kids are just left alone now. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we've been we've been led to believe in the stakes of this moment the entire season, and then they basically just give up and say, "All right, well, we'll risk it." And then right. we don't know what they risked ultimately. Yeah. True. Yeah, it was it was sort of went nowhere. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and this, I don't want a season three. No, absolutely not. I mean, I didn't even want a season two. If I wanted a season two, it was like for more screams. And then I got a <laughs> lot of screams and it and it, maybe it was too much. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Because like the moments like had a little less preciousness every time Laura Dern freaked out, which I, I loved every time. But like it definitely felt, and I know that this is a consequence of like internal things and like how the production was made, but you know, season two felt like a lot more self-aware. You know what I mean? Totally, like it yeah, knew yeah. what its audience was. It knew how to make gifts and memes now and like felt a, a little bit like a camp cage match at y- times. You could see the meetings they had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we need Laura Dern to lip sync. It's my house right here. If we, if we, if you want this, you want a season three, you're going to lip sync. It's my house. Which is crazy <laughs> that they went there and then they let Renata destroy the, the you know, the railway, the, the train station or whatever. But they wouldn't give us the ice cream scene. Why? Yeah, Why? Like right, right. throw the ice cream her. And you should the natural 
natural progression of her singing It's My House and I Live Here uh, isn't just, you know, like moving out of the house and losing it. Like, she should burn that fucking house down. Right. Someone burns <laughs> down a house on Riverdale every week. And by <laughs> the way, if she had divorced this guy a lot earlier, then we would have gotten a lot of Renata being single and figuring out her new life, which right. would have been way more interesting. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. She would have looked up Baron Davis. <laughs> right. I said that um, the season three should be black women in a new setting. Totally. Um, but um, Laura Dern moves to ATL to start like a new life and career and like work in sports or something there. Mm. Uh, so she's the person who goes over. And she'll be the Kim Zolciak? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that that would be That sells right fantastic. in the room. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And you get like a Nia Long, Gabrielle uh, Union. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that would be hot. Vanessa Williams is the judge? Anyway. Yes. Something. <laughs> um, but that's what I want to see. Perfect. Uh, put put Ira on season three, everybody. Let's do this. And then Jean-Marc Vallée will come in and redo it all. (laughs) (laughs) My keep it this week is to The Hollywood Reporter. Oh, that publication. Yes, um, that scrappy um, free news publication that they give you on the street. Mm -hmm. It's just like The Village Voice. Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They recently did a profile of Leonardo DiCaprio, which... Makes sense. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is coming out this weekend, mm-hmm. and I'm actually very excited to see it. I do I do love Tarantino, right. despite him being messy. You no, know, we had Kyle Buchanan here before, I, I, I'm sure I've said, I'm excited about Quentin Tarantino doing a movie about Hollywood, since that seems to be all he really cares about, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah. I don't need to recontextualize Charles Manson a moment longer, but oh well. I know. Um, and, you know, we did Hateful Eight, and it was a mess, and I feel like... There's the bar. Yeah. You can't go worse than that. Yeah. So I'm sure I'll at least really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did a profile of Leonardo DiCaprio, which they couldn't even get him to comment for. So uh, it's really sort of a Frank Sinatra has a cold sort of profile where mm. you're talking to other people around him and stuff. But the profile is so unnecessarily rude. Uh, and if I'm saying it's unnecessarily rude, then you know it's rude. There's a crisis of conscience, yes. First of all, the tweet when they shared the article said, unlike virtually every other A-lister, Leonardo DiCaprio has rebuffed franchises, has never donned spandex, wielded a lightsaber, or starred in a sequel, yet he has dominated the box office and award season for more than two decades. Okay, bitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> My hero? Yeah. Uh, uh, do you have to drag other actors to just say Leonardo DiCaprio is great? Yeah, right. That is really strange. It's like he's in these autoristic but a but still A-list director movies. Right. I don't know. I it, it doesn't feel like he made risky choices to me. He hasn't. I mean, Scorsese and Tarantino are basically white male film nerd franchises. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. a Tarantino yeah. movie might as well be the Marvel Cinematic Universe because you know what you're getting each time. Yeah. Um, you know, you're working with Inaritu and people like that and 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 Christopher Nolan. You know, it's you are making movies that have very large budgets are from white male directors aside from like an Inaritu. Um and it's not really taking any sort of risk. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is lended to the fact that he is a white male in Hollywood who, one, had a big break in Titanic when he was 23, didn't have really that moment for Kate Winslet or anything, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot has been afforded to him to be able to do this. And he keeps working with these kind of directors in these big budget things. And we haven't seen him do anything like 
do some indies or like take a chance on a smaller director or really even sort of use his clout to prop up, you know, other diverse actors or any other sort of role. Is I he, guess he played Jay Edgar. Oh, my God. Jay Edgar. Wow. <laughs> that I always said that movie looks like it was filmed in a darkened Abercrombie. Oh, <laughs> like it's like one spotlight over the jeans in the corner. That's like the light they used. Marion Williamson also asked to leave Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> no, we no longer do models. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, is he one of these people that hasn't worked with a female director in 100 years? Yes. Uh-huh. Mm, yeah. Sounds yeah. right. And the article continued to go on to just sort of trash other people by saying among his compatriots DiCaprio is by far the one most coveted by studio heads and top tier directors offering that rare blend of prestige since three of his past five films have been nominated for best picture Mm -hmm. and box office prowess those same films earned a combined 1.8 billion worldwide while Will Smith is doing Netflix originals and a Disney remake (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence is on a cold streak and Robert Downey Jr. only makes his money as Tony Stark DiCaprio continues to choose films that would seem risky on paper, typically R-rated, longer than two hours, and with budgets topping $80 million, bets that have paid off and given him an unrivaled amount of power. I, Bitch! I, <laughs> he's the only talented man. He, he has taste. The others? Dumbasses. First of all, Jennifer Lawrence is around the age that he was when he did Titanic. She came out the gate with so much prestige yeah. and box office success. And I wonder if there's something to do with the fact that she is a woman in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And, of course, her options are going to start to cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That she has any, whatever, cold streak. What does that mean? Two movies in a row that didn't do that well? Right. You know, people, she is beloved. <laughs> <laughs> and also, she worked with the female director. I saw The Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> And Robert Downey Jr., which maybe there's something in the idea that he had a lot of problems in Hollywood and basically made this huge comeback. And it wasn't really superhero brand name recognition that got him this because Iron Man wasn't really a thing. No one gave a fuck about Iron Man the way that they do Spider-Man or the Hulk, right. et cetera. And I wouldn't have known who Iron Man was growing up. And the Hulk up, movies yeah. flop. So mm-hmm. uh, it was really Robert Downey Jr. taking that role and making him maybe one of the biggest superheroes now in movie franchises. Totally. Mm-hmm. And he's just left it now with Endgame. So he has a whole career that he can start doing now that we haven't seen from him. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I did see the movie The Judge, which I recommend unseeing if you've seen it. <laughs> Whew. Uh, Robert Duvall, really really gritty scene in that movie. uh, And then the Will Smith thing, I mean, that's sort of the idea, too, that actors who aren't Leo have been doing riskier things. You know, you see, like, even women of his caliber, like Meryl Streep or something, Mm -hmm. doing something like Big Little Lies, doing something that is, you know, maybe smaller in movie scale. Like, I'm not seeing Leo really do anything like The Hours. No, right, right, right. Uh, which isn't to knock Leonardo DiCaprio. I love him uh, as an actor. I think he's really great, and I support a lot of the work that he's done with environmental issues. But the article is just basically tongue-lathering him like he's in cats. It's not impressive that there's one straight actor who can sustain a massive movie career based on non-franchises. It's just like, yeah, there should be one of those. There should be 25 of those, you mm-hmm. know. 
Yeah, I I just think that this whole thing, again, it's just like, I, I don't feel like we need to give him, I, journalistically, it doesn't make sense to write a profile without getting comment. Like, I just don't know why you are seeking out to write this. And also, it's Leonardo de fucking Caprio. Like, we don't need, we don't need all these qualifiers. It's ridiculous. The maybe wildest thing of the profile, too, is that they gloss over something that was pretty insane in it. They mentioned just offhand that he had a no eye contact clause for the movie. Oh, for this movie? Wait, what? Yeah, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wait, 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 um, wait, wait, the, wait. the article says Only that... Only 24-year-old women may look his way. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, like Prince? Some people who worked on the film told Hollywood Reporter apparently that they were asked not to make eye contact with Leonardo DiCaprio on set, which <laughs> seems like a more interesting story for you to dive into than saying, Jennifer Lawrence, washed up! <laughs> <laughs> now she that. had two bad movies. Because the whole article is about how he's great, yeah. right? And then you have the one aside that doesn't seem great, and you don't delve into it. Yeah. I haven't read the piece. Did the, the did the piece like call into question anything having to do with Tarantino and their relationship? Like, did it like no? That's see, that's crazy to me. That's like the that's an that's the thing I would read, right? Mm -hmm. And like, and it's it's that that I think would be a more engaging story as journalists, as reporters. Like, that's the story we want to look out for, not like, hey, have you ever heard of Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio? You know right. what I mean? Like, he does pretty well. Yeah. There's some very interesting sort of anecdotes in it too about how they had met originally uh, at the premiere of True Romance, and DiCaprio talked about how he loved the script so much, and they tried to work together for years, and. Inglorious Bastards didn't work out, but he was able to do Django, and he didn't even envision DiCaprio for that role at first, but DiCaprio was, you know, sort of very insistent about it, and that stuff was interesting, but, you know, like, his brand is excellence, how Leonardo DiCaprio became Hollywood's last movie star. What? What a moment. I feel like everybody's been called Hollywood's last movie star. Yeah. Um, Depends uh, on who's writing it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and which publicist has gotten that right Like, I've angle. heard Julia Roberts called that before. Um, uh, I will say that Django Unchained is my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio performance, specifically because you wouldn't think he would do it. It's too uh, broad. And not in a serious... Um, I'm a billionaire who owns a boat and also there's something crazy about me way, which is what he usually plays. I'm really more for Leo's, you know, twink era, you know, Romeo plus Juliet, mm -hmm. iconic. The classic. beach. Yes, absolutely. I think that I really loved him in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, also that amazing. is also sort of yeah, a broad billionaire with a boat. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. that's a broad sort of role. It had a bit more nuance, yeah. I think, than Great Gatsby. Mm. But I that mean, movie sucks. I hate when people like the Great Gatsby. I didn't say I liked it. No, I'm just saying. It, I, it, it's like we pretended like it was like a splashy, fun movie we all liked. It was like nonsensically shitty. IndieWire just called it one of the best movies of the decade or something. It was on their like big Oh, the 100 list. list. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was uh, their number one? Moonlight? Moonlight. Uh, I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> or his other broad role, Shutter Island, which I didn't love, but I no, feel like yeah. maybe I'd like it a bit more on rewatch. Mm -hmm. I liked what he did in it. If I'm talking about my favorite Leo role, it is probably... Gangs of New York, which I think is very interesting. Underrated. I think okay. that movie is that highly underrated. I'm somewhat surprised. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's one of my favorite movies. My favorite Cami Diaz prestige project. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I do remember uh, The Counselor. Um, <laughs> Where she fucked a car yes, with right, windshield. Right. 
<laughs> Wild time. The windshield was nominated. This is now the yes. second podcast where you have talked about the fact that Cameron Diaz has fucked a car. Is it? Yeah, I, this is the last time we were on Food for that We did a live show together, and you talked about how Cameron Diaz fucked a car. It's, it, it, <laughs> it's just, a good you, bit. You can't stop talking about it. It's your who's on wow. first. <laughs> so obsessed. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being here today, Fran. Of course. My pleasure. Yes. People should listen to Food for Thought. Yes. And oh, we neglected to ask you, yes. which View co-host are you? I mean, I think I have to say Rosie Press, Latina View co-host. We uh-huh. have to stand. It That's is great. It is line. crazy that we had Rosie Perez just giving us thoughts every day for a while. And what did we do with it? Nothing. <laughs> Truly. We took her for granted. Oscar uh, nominee. Yeah. We do take her for granted because I feel like every year her dancing on Soul Train is trending on Twitter. As yeah. Like people continue to forget it. Right. I remember, guys. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, that is our show. Uh, thank you, Fran. Thank you again to Miss Angela Bassett. Well, uh, we'll see you next week. Keep It is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thanks to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadine Melkonian, for filming and editing our video content every week. This podcast is made possible by you, the listeners, and the Pew Charitable Trust. Ha-ha. But who are you? We know that somewhere in the world you download this podcast or you're subscribed and you've rated it on iTunes, Mm -hmm. but we know literally nothing else about you. So if you have a few minutes, you can help us make this show better by telling us more about you and what you want to hear. Don't go too far in, though. I mean, think about what I really want to know. You know what I'm saying? Just go to go.crooked.com slash survey to take a short survey and leave your feedback about the show. That's go.crooked.com slash survey. As a thank you, you'll be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. $100 just for a couple minutes? Hell yeah. Uh, I think I want that gift card. I'm going to say, are we eligible? I'll tell you. I'll give you a piece of my mind. (laughs) I think we've had enough. Okay. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With my busy life, I use shipped same day delivery to keep up. When I need a jar of extra creamy peanut butter delivered, I know my personal shopper, Amber, will come through. And if it's not on the shelf, she asks them to check the back. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at shipped.com.